Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Luke chapter 2, we're going to jump back into our study that we've been in, Hope in Darkness, and recognizing that God provides hope in the dark seasons of life. Before we get into it this morning, I want to ask you if you can remember the very first time you saw someone juggling. Can you remember that? How many of you can remember the very first time you saw someone juggling? I can remember back one of the very first times that I saw someone juggling. Uh, I grew up going to a Christian school in Greeley, Colorado, and uh, the, uh, the school that I was at, Day Spring Christian School, one of my classmates, uh, her dad was a, a local pastor of a, of a church there, an assistant pastor, I think, but he was also a traveling magician. And he would travel and do, do magic tricks and stuff like that. He would do it before Christian schools, public schools, colleges, all that. And uh, he would travel around and do that. Well, he would come to our Christian school and, uh, and do chapel. I remember, I can close my eyes, and I can remember where I was in first grade in the gym in Dayspring Christian School, sitting in the center, when I watched, Mr. Lamar was his last name, when I watched him come out and begin juggling for a first grader. I was met for an adult, I would be mesmerized. Now, I'm not talking about just the, you know, the guy that does three tennis balls. I'm not talking about that. Uh, he could juggle, he could juggle a lot of things. He could juggle five to six items at one time. He could juggle four or five bowling pins at one time. And I remember watching him juggle bowling pins. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever, how many of you have you've held a bowling pin? They're heavy, they're heavy, and the, the weight, you know, it's all off and everything. And I remember Mr. Lamar getting up there, center stage. I'm sitting right, Jim, I'd be right about where you are. And he's up there, and he's just going, and he's juggling. And I'm thinking, that's awesome. I'm going to be a magician when I grow up. And so first grade, second grade, you want to know what every first grader does when you see someone else juggle? You juggle too. It just doesn't look as pretty. We would be in class, and my first grade teacher, Miss Kirkner, was her name. And I remember, man, we'd be juggling books. We just weren't juggling books. We were really just throwing things in the air and hoping somebody would catch it, you know? You're like throwing things across the room and pencils and the desk. I'm just kidding. We didn't throw the desk. But, man, those times of juggling. Man, you get impressed, and I get impressed. I still get impressed when I see somebody juggling a bunch of different items. But here's something I've learned as I've grown up. Kind of, I've kind of grown up. Here's something I've learned as I've got older. Juggling is actually a talent that every adult needs to have. I'm not talking about tennis balls and bowling pins now. I'm talking about life. How many of you have realized by now that life has a lot? And there's a lot of times that we seem like and we feel like we're juggling a lot. You ever, you ever said this? You ever maybe prayed this or thought this? Man, God, I don't know how much more of this I could take. God, I don't know how much more of this can pile on. God, I don't know how many more bowling pins I can put in my juggling act. Let's be honest. Life at times is a juggling act. Really, whether it's your dark seasons of life or just normal seasons of life, life is a juggling act. Juggling with family, 
relationships, marriage, kids, work, bills, bills that you're behind, gas tanks that need to be filled, problems that go at home, the water heater going out, the electricity going out, the whatever. Man, we have all of these situations that at times we feel like we're just juggling. And if you're like me, you probably have times when you just think, God, I would really like to put everything else aside and focus on this one thing. If I could just focus on this one thing and accomplish that and then move to the next. Be honest, have you ever felt that way? Man, we all have. But unfortunately, we can't do that. So we sit back and we say, okay, God, if I have to juggle all these things, if, I, if it's part of, part of my life that I'm gonna have to learn to balance priorities, God, how do I determine what's most important? You ever been there? God, I'm juggling all this. How do I determine what is most important? Today, we're gonna come back to Luke chapter number two. And if you've been with us in our study, then you'll recall, you'll remember that Jesus Christ is coming into this world. He's just been born. The hope of eternity has just been born into this world. And of course, we have learned so much about the hope that comes with Jesus Christ. But the passage that we're going to be at today, it actually takes place when Jesus is 12 years old. We have the silent years from Jesus when he was two to 12. And then we have the silent years from when he was 12 to when he was about 13. 30 years old, there are only two passages, two passages in scripture where we know or read about the childhood of Jesus. And one of them is the passage before us today, Luke chapter two. And from this passage, I believe we can look at a 12 year old Jesus and we can learn about how to balance life's priorities, how to balance, don't feel like we're overwhelmed, how to not have to juggle everything and be able to focus on those things that God wants us to focus on, especially in our seasons of darkness. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. I want you to see it with me. So let's stand together. We're gonna read Luke chapter two, and we're gonna begin reading in verse number 40. Luke chapter two and verse number 40. And it says this, it says the child grew. So we left Jesus off in verse 39 two weeks ago. Of course, last week took a break from our series Jesus, in verse 39, he's still an infant. So we leave him off. He grows. The Bible says this, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk kinsfolk and acquaintance. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him, that heard Jesus, they were astonished at his understanding, astonished at his answers. And when they, Mary and Joseph, saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I, we have sought thee sorrowing. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Mary and Joseph, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. 
And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, if you're like me in the dark seasons of life and in the normal seasons of life, I often feel like I'm balancing, juggling way too much. This morning, I want us to come and I want us to discover from Luke chapter two from a 12-year-old Jesus, just a few things that whatever you're juggling, these few things, I believe if you and I would focus on these things that we would learn life doesn't have to be a juggling act. Life can be something where every day we wake up and we know, God, I know that you have something in store for me today. And God, I'm choosing to make these decisions today so that it doesn't turn out to be a juggling act. This has helped me and I believe it'll help you this morning. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the word of God with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take a minute and just in the quietness of the moment, would you pray and would you give God these next few minutes together? Would you ask God to help you? God, help me to hear from you today. God, help me to be able to respond to you today. God, speak to my heart today. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this passage, for how it has helped me and Lord, how you have encouraged me through this. I pray that you would speak through me today. Use me to help uh, your people and Lord, I pray that you'd speak to me again as well. And we do pray, Lord, if there's someone with us in person or maybe online today that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, God. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Luke chapter two, Jesus, of course, uh, we have those silent years like I spoke of. There's actually just the two passages in scripture. There's two places in scripture that you read about Jesus as a child. Uh, One of them would be Matthew chapter number two, Matthew chapter two, where the magi or the wise men come to worship the child Jesus there in in Bethlehem. And you can go read that. We kind of pair that with the Christmas story, but it would have taken place. Jesus probably would have been about a year and a half old, maybe two years old uh, at that time. That's one of the two passages where we read about Jesus as a child. The second is what we read here in Luke chapter number two. You actually will not read about the life of Jesus Christ until he's about 29 or 30. 30 years old. You won't read about anything else. So it's called the the silent years. But what's interesting to me is as I come to Luke chapter two, to one of the very first places where you're reading the very first recorded spoken words by Christ, I find Jesus helping us understand right priorities. Now, here's what we need to know. We kind of need to know the context a little bit. All right. So customary for Hebrews Every year, there are a number of feasts that the Jews will travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate. You can find much of this in study. You can uh, see that they will travel back for perhaps the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, or the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, we find in our passage that Jesus and his family, uh, they make way, verse number 41, they make way every year. Every year, they go from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover, You know what I love about Mary and Joseph as we read about them? Here's what I love about them. They put priority upon worshiping God. 
It doesn't say they only did this when he was 12 years old. It says that every year. Do you see that in verse number 41? This is just a side thought. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Hey, they put priority upon the worship of God. What a great encouragement to us. Because you and I, we too should put priority upon the worship of God. Hey, can I just carve out a little spot right here just for a minute? Every family your kids should, should, should see you putting priority upon the worship of God. Can I, can I say it this way? I wanna commend you today. Just as they put priority upon worshiping God, I wanna commend you for putting priority upon worshiping God today. In a world when so much could distract you and pull your attention, we put priorities on a lot of things. Right, we put priority on on uh, on our on our job and on our sports and on our teams and whatever. Hey, the best, most lasting impact that you will have in anybody's life around you is when you put priority upon the worship of God. Mom and Dad, help your kids put priority upon worship of God. Help your grandkids. Hey, hey, help your help your grandparents, teenagers. Help your friends. Just put priority upon the worship of God. That's what we see Mary and Joseph doing. So they travel. They go down into Jerusalem. As they get into Jerusalem, they worship, they do their feast of the Passover, and then they head home. Now, what would they do? They would travel together. They would travel in caravans, if you will. They would travel in a big group, a big company from the same town. They would all travel together and they would uh, hitch up their wagons. They would all go kind of just caravan from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Well, it would be customary that during that time, if you were traveling in a big group, I mean, this could be 15 to 20 families, 30 families, sometimes a whole area, a whole region would travel together. And so when you got going, it was kind of like, hey, we're all gonna head out in the morning and okay, everybody gets up. And then you would travel a little bit, but you know, little Johnny, little Timmy, you just figured that they're with the neighbors in the, in the caravan there, the wagon behind you. So Mary and Joseph, this is customary. They would travel together. And so they travel one full day all their way, on their way back to Nazareth. They get to their camp that night. And I can see Mary and Joseph. And Mary says, hey, honey, um, here's the other kids, because we know Jesus had siblings by now. Hey, the other kids are here. Hey, kids, Joseph, have you seen, anybody seen Jesus? And Joseph says, well, no, I thought you knew where he was. And Mary says, well, he's not my responsibility today. I have the other three. He's, what are you doing? And Joseph says, well, I've been driving the donkeys all day. What are you talking about? And well, all right, let's go get him. All right, well, Mary, you go that way. I'll go this way. And they go, they split up. They go tent to tent. Hey, has anybody seen Jesus? And they cover the caravan. They make it back to each other. And I can almost, you know, we like to put Mary and Joseph. Now, I commend their character, but they were still human like us. And I know me and my wife, we don't have arguments. We just have heated disagreements. (laughs) And every marriage, I can see Mary and Joseph coming back. And she comes back and she says, he's not with anybody. Did you find him? And Joseph's like, no, I didn't find him. And she's like, what are we going to do? And Joseph's like, I don't know. It was, you should have had an eye on him. And can you, can you kind of hear them? Maybe, I mean, they're probably not yelling at each other, but just kind of bickering back and forth. And, and finally, Joseph goes, Mary, we're going to have to travel back. We have to do it by ourselves. And I can kind of hear him maybe Mary go, well, 
Joseph, I'm sorry. And he goes, no, no, I'm sorry. Listen, I shouldn't have got upset. Let's just, we'll go to bed. We'll get some rest right now and we'll get up early and we'll, we'll head back, okay? All right. And they go back with sorrow on their heart. Mary says that in the passage. She says to Jesus, don't you know we've been searching for you sorrowing? She's sad. So they travel a day back. Now it's been two days. And then the scripture tells us that after the third day, they found him. So now they're searching for another whole day. They're searching to try to find Jesus. And and they go and you know where they find him? He's not causing a ruckus. Jesus isn't in the shops. He wasn't sitting playing video games with friends. He wasn't doing any of that. You know where Jesus was? He wasn't causing trouble. They find him in the temple, in the place of worship. And what's interesting is they go in and they find him there and all the theologians, all the doctors and the lawyers, the people who know the law and the people who know uh, the, uh, the, the Torah, the, the religious leaders of the day, they're all sitting around Jesus. And I imagine they kind of come in and you ever had those moments where you're just surprised at your kids? Like, man, you are smarter than I thought you were. We've all had those moments. If not, your parents have. My mom had those moments with me plenty of time. If she, She's not here to say amen. She was at the 830 service this morning, and I didn't say that in the service because I don't want it to go to her head, you know? Man, she had times she would show, oh, man, you're not as dumb as I thought you were. You're smart. You know, I can see Mary and Joseph coming in. They're just, they stop. And the Bible says that they're, they're looking at this situation and they're mesmerized by it. Man, what, what's going on? Jesus gets done talking. Hey, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why did you do this to us? Don't you know? Jesus, don't you know that we've been searching for you sorrowing? And I love the very first words that Jesus speaks out of. These are the very first recorded words. Now, these aren't the first words he spoke. We know that. But these are the first words recorded for us. And here's what Jesus said. Why are you searching for me? Wish you not, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Here's what's interesting to me. The very first time we hear Jesus speak, he gives us one of the greatest priorities in life. Can I help us today? Number one, when we have priority, when we're struggling, here's what we put priorities on. Number one, the father's plan. Hey, every day we should put priority upon what God wants us to do. When they find Jesus in the temple, they find him there and he asks that question, why are you coming in after me? Why are you trying to get me to follow your plan? Have you forgotten that I must be about my father's business? The word about, it means I must be after or given wholly to. Here's what Jesus is saying. I am supposed to be following or doing what God desires in my life. Now, Jesus wasn't saying this disrespectfully to them. We need to know this, all right? Then remember, Jesus, we're gonna talk about it all day. He is 100% God, yet 100% man. Jesus is sinless. Now, this is hard for us. Jesus didn't even sin when he was a kid. (laughs) It is. Jesus didn't sin when he was a child. He was sinless. It's not just talking about, well, he was the perfect son of God from the age of 21 up. No, from birth until death, Jesus is the sinless son of God, God in the flesh, perfect. Now, I can't understand that. (laughs) I can't wrap my mind around that. 
Why? Because I have three children. And I was a children. And I know. And you know what? Jesus wasn't sinful at all. He was sinless. So these words were not spoken in disrespect. Mom, why are you doing that? It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a preteen just talking back to his mom. No, he just said, hey, mom. Hey, hey, don't miss it. My priority is to follow God's plan in my life. He said, I must be about my father's business. I have to be accomplishing the plan of God in my life. If you look in scripture, we can find the fact that Jesus, he said, I must a few times in scripture. But let me say this in just application to us today. Every day, every day we, like Jesus, we should put priority, put priority upon accomplishing God's plan in our life that day. Put priority upon accomplishing God's plan in our life that day. Too many Christians just live for themselves. Hey, listen, too many of us, let's be honest today, too many of us, we wake up and all we think about is what am I going to do for me? What what do I need to accomplish today? We wake up filled with pride and selfishness to lead our lives our way, never giving a second thought to the Father's business, to the Father's plan. Hey, where is the Christian that is going to say, I must be about my Father's plan? Now, the question might be, okay, Pastor Dennis, well, what is God's plan for me? I'll tell you today, God's will and God's plan in each life is different. God's plan for your week this week is different than God's plan for my week this week. But there are two things in scripture that I can tell you is God's plan for you every day. Jesus outlined them for us. Number one, number one, Luke chapter four and verse number 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities for therefore am I sent. Do you know the entire reason Jesus came was to point people to God the Father? That's why Jesus came. He came to point people to who he was in his deity. He came to preach the kingdom of God. Do you know Jesus came because he loved the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Want to know one of the main purposes or priorities of Jesus Christ? Every day, Jesus knew, I need to do everything I can to point people to God. Hey, you want to know what God's priority should be? What your priority should be each day? Tomorrow, April 17th, we're going to all wake up. What should I do tomorrow? God, help me to point people to you today. Hey, God, Jesus put a priority on talking about the kingdom and being one that would tell others about heaven and tell others about you. God, help me to put priority upon pointing people to you. What else did Jesus put priority upon? John chapter nine and verse number four, Jesus said this, I must work the works of him that sent me. And I must do it while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. When Jesus talks about the work that he was sent to do, he describes it in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45 when it says this, even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. You know, Jesus Christ came to do, he came to serve, not be served. That's what Jesus Christ came. He came to die and serve and give his life for you. He came to serve you and I. And I look at the life of Christ and I love the example that I see Jesus at 12 years old. What is he doing? He's sitting in the temple serving people. Hey, I must be about my father's business. Well, Jesus, what is your father's business? Well, every day I need to point people to him. And every day, one of the ways I do that is by serving other people. 
Hey, let me break it down for us today. This is very simple. This is, this is uh, uh, as uh, um, what was it, Sherlock used to say, elementary, my dear Watson. Here's elementary. Every single day, you know what you and I should put priority upon? Every day, pointing people to God and serving people because we love God. Every day. So we talk about juggling and all the things in my life. Hey, listen, life happens and there's bills and there's things that happen and we have all that stuff. But if I could wake up tomorrow and say, God, help me today. I know I have a lot going on. God, help me to put priority upon pointing people to you and serving people because I love you. You know what? God, God will be blessed by that. So I have that question. Are you concerned about the father's business? Or are you just concerned about your own? Hey, when you wake up this week, are you just gonna be concerned about you and your job and checking in and checking out and kids and sports and soccer and baseball and softball and your team and the NBA and the new, the NFL draft or whatever your thing is? You just can be concerned about that or this week will you wake up and say, man, God, help me. Help me to be concerned about your business. Put priority upon the Father's plan. Number two, very quickly this morning, we should put priority upon humility. Put priority upon humility. That's not a popular word, is it? (laughs) Humility. We talk about humility often, but Mary and Joseph, they didn't quite understand Jesus's answer. But then we find in verse number 51, we find Jesus at the very first onset of the description of his character in all of scripture. We find this written about him. Verse 51, he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was subject unto them. The word subject, it means to obey, to be under, to be submissive to. You know what? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he became subject. He humbled himself to Mary and Joseph. Now, again, and I mentioned this a minute ago, said we would talk about it. We have to understand when we read scripture, oftentimes we just read the Bible through the lens of our humanity, that we are human beings. So we read through it We read through it through that lens. But here's what we also need to recall and remember. Jesus, while being 100% human, was also at the same time 100% deity. He was 100% God. Now, some people will say, well, pastor, I don't quite understand that. Can you explain that deep theological truth? And here's what I will say. No. Why? Because we are limited in our thinking that we can't understand necessarily how could Jesus be 100% God and yet 100% man? How could he be both? How can, how can you have 200% of something but Jesus doesn't work in the same laws that we work in. No, God the Father came as Jesus Christ, 100% God, yet 100% man. And he proved who he was through his life, through his miracles, and then ultimately through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You see, when Jesus would debate with the Pharisees and he would say, I am the son of man, I am the son of God, he was putting himself equal with God. And their biggest argument against Jesus Christ was that, 
That is impossible. You cannot be God in the flesh. And yet Jesus proclaimed time and time and time again what John wrote in John chapter one and verse number 14, when the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, God became man. He was 100% God, 100% man. You say, pastor, why is that so important? Because if you take away the deity of Christ, then you take away Jesus completely. And there's some religions that like to do that. There are some religions out there that they say, well, you know, Jesus was a good man. He was a good prophet. Jesus was this, he was that. No, my friend, Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus and God, Jesus is God, 100% God, 100% man. How does that help us this morning? Because God became flesh and made himself subject to his creation. That's mind-blowing. That shows us the humility of Jesus Christ. I mean, Philippians, Paul said it well when he wrote these words, but he, Jesus, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what? Jesus Christ, he was a humble servant. When you look at the character of Jesus, I mean, yes, there is a ton of character traits in the person of Jesus Christ that we need to apply into our lives. But here is one of the ones, the very first time that we read about Jesus Christ as a young man, and it says that he made himself subject to his parents. What is a highlight? What is it? What is it highlighting? It's highlighting humility. Hey, listen, you know what our culture is missing today? <laughs> humility. But before we get all wrapped up in what our culture is missing, you know what a lot of Christians are missing today? Humility. We get so caught up in me, myself, and I that we forget about people around us. I've defined it this way. I heard it years ago, and I loved it. Humility is not thinking less of oneself. It's not, oh, poor me. Humility is not thinking less of oneself. Humility is thinking of oneself less. It means I don't always have to be on my mind. I love teaching our kids this way. Humility is the law of deference, preferring others. Humility is the spouse that doesn't have to get the last word in. Humility is the coworker that doesn't have to always be right. Humility is the boss that leads by example and isn't just a jerk saying, follow me, I'm in charge. Humility is the sibling that says, hey, you can have the last piece. Humility is the Christian who says, I don't have to have my way. Hey, you know what? Humility is missing in our culture because humility is missing in a lot of Christians. I would say the person who can be missed and unrecognized and it's not a problem, that's humility. It's the player who doesn't need credit. It's the person who doesn't have to be first. The proverb says it this way in Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. Hey, pride leads before destruction, but humility leads before honor. Humility should be a priority for every single one of us. And it's a choice. Paul actually said it this way, that you and I, we choose every day to be clothed in humility. Now, again, there's, there's, uh, um, there's the, this abstract humility, I think, that we often have. And then there's the, the false humility that we think about. 
You know, the false humility is the, the person that, you know, someone, uh, someone's, uh, it's the dessert auction. I'll use that as an illustration. Someone says, man, who made this dessert? And so-and-so says, well, I'm, I made that. And they go, oh man, that's such a good dessert. And, and, uh, and kind of the false humility is, oh, well, you know, I just do the best I can. I just try. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, you're right. It is good. But I, you know, I, uh, uh. rather than just being humble and saying, thank you. Praise God. I don't have to, I don't have to keep bringing attention to it. Does that make sense? Then there's also just the arrogant non-humility. Hey, good dessert. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mom taught me well, and I, I'm, I bring it every year. My dessert's going to go for the highest price. I got, now you say, Pastor, silly illustration. I know, but let's just think about this. Humility should be brought into every area of my life. Hey, husband, wife, let me ask you this question. This week, did you display humility or was your marriage described by pride? Hey, teenager, was there humility in home? Hey, worker, was there humility in the workplace? And I look at Jesus, what do I see? I see him putting priority upon humility. Number three today, here's what I see Jesus putting priority upon. And don't miss it in the scripture. He puts priority upon growth and development. Growth and development. Now this may seem like a, a different thought, but I want you to catch it. Go to verse 40 and verse number 52. Verse 40, it says this, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, verse 52, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. You know what we see? Now, we can see the humility of Jesus in this, but Jesus chose to grow up just like everybody else. Now, I don't know if you are like me, but I do not want to go back and be a baby again. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, I mean, I don't want to go back and live childhood years again. Now, some of you are like, oh, I'd love the carefree. I'd love that. Really? Really? You want to go back and have to learn how to ride a bike again, how to scuff your knees, how to drive again. Like, no. If, if you really begin to think, now we, we want to, you know, make the, make the past this big, giant, brilliant thing. I read one author just recently. He says, we always make the, make the past sound better than what it was when we lived it. Here's what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to be born as a child, as a baby, and grow up. Now, he could have just come as Messiah, 33 years old, 40 years old, whatever, and just, hey, I'm here, follow me, or I'll strike you with lightning. But he didn't. Why? Because he, listen, don't miss it. He wanted to show you and I how much he loved us. Anybody can show up and be authoritarian, but a savior showed up to be the one who loves you in spite of you, in spite of me. And Jesus, he chose to grow and develop just like everybody else. Four ways he chose to grow. Number one, he grew physically. Jesus grew physically just like anybody else. It says that he increased in stature. Every day, Jesus just was a day older. Every week, Jesus just a week older. Now, <clears throat> if you have a teenager, if you have kid, wait, wait, wait. If you ever were a kid, then you did this. 
I can't wait to be whatever, you know, 15. For the 13-year-old, it's, I can't wait to be 15. For the 15-year-old, it's like, I can't wait to be 18. For the 18-year-old, it's like, I can't wait to be 21. For the 21-year-old, I can't wait to be 25. 25-year-old, I can't wait to be 21 again. Yeah. That's what it is. This whole cycle. And you know what Jesus did? And don't miss it when the phrase that he grew in stature, Jesus submitted himself to just the natural growth process. That, that is an amazing thought, but here's, here's the simple principle I want to bring out. Do you know what we can do? We can get so distracted in the seasons of our life, especially the dark seasons of our life, that we wish we weren't where we are. Man, I wish I just wasn't in this season. I wish I just wasn't this age. I wish I just wasn't in this spot. Hey, do you know what humility says? Humility says, God, I'm in this right now. But Lord, help me to grow and develop no matter what through this. Help me not to look at the different phases of life and wish I were somewhere else. God, help me to take advantage of where I am right now. Jesus grew physically. Where else? Jesus grew spiritually. It says in the scripture that he grew or waxed strong in spirit. He put emphasis upon spiritual growth. He grew spiritually. He, even though he spoke the worlds into existence, and even though he spoke the word of God into existence, Jesus grew spiritually. Number three, Jesus grew intellectually. Jesus grew intellectually. You know what Jesus did? It says here, it says that he increased in wisdom. He committed himself to grow naturally in his mindset and in his thinking. Although, listen, he was God. He's omniscient. He knew everything. And yet in his humility and in his humanity, he he determined to grow intellectually just as any other boy would. Now, this does not discredit his deity at all. It actually adds to it that he would submit himself to grow naturally just like everybody else. Fourth, he grew in favor with God and with men. He grew in favor with God and with men. You know what Jesus did? And don't miss it. That phrase grew in favor with God and men. Jesus was respectful to others around him and he was respected by others around him. That takes effort. Think about it, God in the flesh, he could have demanded respect. Hey, I'm here, respect me. And yet, did you know what Jesus allowed? He allowed mistreatment even of his own family to mistreat him. How many of you have siblings? You have siblings? How many remember some of your knockout, you know, knockdown, drag out fights with your siblings? You remember some of those? Man, I've told you, I had two older sisters. Man, they drove me nuts until I was 14. You want to know why? Because when I was 14, I could take them. Yeah. It's the grossest story in the world, but I'm going to tell you right now. My sisters used to, my one sister, she used to pin me down. She used to pin me down and sit on me. She disclaims this to this day, but it is true. She would pin me down and she would get spit. She'd like let it hang from her mouth and then like suck it back up. And every now and then she would drop it on my face and she'd go, oops. And I was like eight years old. And I told her, one day, I'm going to spit in your face. And I was mad. And she's like, whatever. When I was 14, true story, she was 22. 
I threw her on the ground, set on her, and I did it. I was like, right in her face. Was, Isn't that horrible? What a, what a horrible brother, I know. But she deserved it. Man, listen, you think about it. I know it's, that's a gross story. It's funny. We joke about it to this day, and I tease her about it. But you know what? Listen, when you were disrespected by your siblings, were you ever like, oh, this is fun? I'll let you do it again, anytime. You know what Jesus did? He allowed it. Actually, the Bible has a story for us when his brothers begin to mock him before a wedding that he was gonna go to. And they said, oh, Jesus, hey, why don't you go and let everybody know who you are? His own siblings, hey, you're supposed, they didn't even believe he was the Messiah. Listen, his siblings did not believe he was the Messiah until after the resurrection. How crazy is that? And you know what Jesus did? He allowed it to happen. He respected others and was respected by others. He grew in favor with God and with man. He allowed that growth and development to take place. He never demanded respect. Wow, you wanna talk about that second point of humility. Don't we just see it with him? Hey, I wanna ask you about your priorities. You know what you should put priority upon? Put priority upon growth and development in the season of life you're in right now. God, help me not to wish I were someone else or wish I was somewhere else. God, help me to develop and be in the stage I am right now. God, help me to, help me to grow spiritually. God, help me to realize that I can be respectful and respected. God, help me with this. And then lastly today, I know we're learning from Christ, but I see another thing in the scripture real quick that I wanna say. Every day we should put priority upon hearing him, just hearing Jesus. We don't have time to do it, but verse 46 and 47, when Mary and Joseph find Jesus, do you know they find him in the temple? Do you know what they find him doing? Speaking to the religious leaders. And you know what the religious leaders are doing? Look at verse 47. All that heard him, they were astonished at his understanding and answers. Hey, they were sitting and learning from the feet of Jesus. The word astonished, it means to astound or to amaze or to be beside one's self. All throughout scripture, the Bible puts emphasis upon sitting at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you this, my friend, when you and I recognize who Jesus is, we will be like the disciples in Matthew chapter eight, verse number 27, where we marvel at him. It says the disciples said this about Christ. They marveled saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Hey, put priority upon the word of Christ ministering to and affecting your life every day and you'll step back astonished. Psalm 119 is a great place to go when you speak about the scripture and the word of God. Verse 114, it says, thou art my hiding place, my shield. I hope in thy word. Verse 162, a few verses later, it says this. It says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Hey, I wonder, do you rejoice at the words of Jesus as one that found a great treasure? Listen, today, life Let's just, man, take the facade off. Let's just be honest with each other. Life can be complicated, overwhelming. It can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Now, are challenges going to continue to come? Yes. But let me tell you this. When you and I are walking every day, with Jesus on our mind,
putting his priorities in place. Do you know what God does? It's where we started in Psalm this morning. God gives strength for the day. God will help you today. But God doesn't help us. I think sometimes God allows us to just juggle things because we're like that magician. Look at me, how talented I am. And God's just sitting in the audience. He's just like, yeah, good job. And we're dropping things. You know, God says, hey, hey, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. What's the challenge today? Quit having your own priorities. Let's learn from a 12-year-old Jesus. Put priority every day upon the Father's plan. God, help me today to point people to you and serve people because of you. Put priority every day upon walking humbly. God, help me not to be so consumed with me. Put priority every day about growing and developing in the stage that you're in right now. Quit looking at everybody else and what everybody else is doing and where everybody else is and be content with where you are. And then today, put priority upon hearing him.